sacred sluts. Connecting to these, quote, demon parts of ourselves, but these demon parts of ourselves are often just misunderstood energies. And so it was this really powerful moment of awakening to understanding these repressed parts of myself and how to work with this energy and that it's not actually a bad thing to feel rage, to feel uh, sadness and shame, but they're just misunderstood elements of ourselves. Hello, my little sacred sluts. Welcome back today. I'm super excited to be welcoming V for Vanetta. She goes by V and she is actually a shadow integration coach and she works within the context of deepening the relationship with yourself and with others. So welcome V. Thanks so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. So the first question that I would love to ask you is how do you put pleasure first in your life? Hmm. I feel like pleasure is a practice that is so important for all of us. I was actually talking to my client today about it, how a lot of times we think of pleasure as like sexual pleasure, but pleasure is such a healing modality in our life. It's how I regulate my nervous system. It's how I make myself feel alive. And so pleasure is absolutely essential in my life. In fact, I feel like it's like nourishing your body with anything, right? When you're nourishing yourself with good food, when you're nourishing yourself with um, good company, I think pleasure is just as important as like brushing your teeth because I find that if I'm just hustling and grinding and doing, 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 and kind of like too much in my head and not as much in my body mm-hmm. and allowing my body to feel soft, to feel good, to feel um, joy and happy, it's just, it wrecks my nervous system. It wrecks my hormones. It just throws off my, my health and well-being and my mental health. Is, and so Pleasure is essential. And how I like to do it is um, I love dance. Ecstatic dance gives me so much pleasure. I love roller skating by the beach. That's been while dancing with some music, um, connecting to friends, having cuddles, uh, contact improv dance is really sweet. It's been really nourishing to have that. Um, I've been single for the last year. Actually, it's been officially a year this month. And contact improv dance and movement has been such a nourishing thing for my body and mind to help me heal through all of that and to just Mm -hmm. have a healthy relationship with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I like feel so aligned with everything you just said, because I feel like so much of that is part of my like daily practices as well. And I've never really thought of like, um, you know, ecstatic dance and contact improv, especially when you're single, I can totally see how that would be so nourishing when you're kind of like missing that more like intimate part of your life. Um, you know, you can have intimacy with yourself, but just being able to like have community and have touch and, and movement. I love that. Yeah. Being touch deprived is definitely (laughs) a thing after a breakup when you're like, especially when you're somebody that loves, like I'm a hypersexual devotional, you know, lover and not having that it's, 
such a jarring contrast. Mm -hmm. And so I, I knew I wasn't ready to jump into something just like that didn't feel really connected to my heart. I felt like it would have actually felt like re-traumatizing to dive into hookup culture. And so that was like a really nice way to pace myself, pace my nervous system back into connection and, mm. and sweetness. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I feel like we're yeah. so lucky to be in LA where all of this is kind of available for us. And I don't know how available it is like everywhere else in the world or everywhere else in the country, but definitely would recommend like looking up mm -hmm. ecstatic dance wherever you're at and see if you can find something if you're feeling called to like add a little bit more of intention and movement into your life. Yeah, I'm currently in San Diego, actually. I moved out of LA. I moved up to Northern Northern California, and we have an amazing dance community up there. So all up and down the coast, anytime mm -hmm. I go to a new city, even when I'm in Chicago or when I was down in Costa Rica or Mexico, I always find the ecstatic dance community because I feel like the people that gather there are just so authentic and playful and kindred spirits that I like. Mm -hmm. connect with anyway yeah i've literally met like mm -hmm. so many of my best friends at ecstatic dance actually so it's amazing I love that. yeah um so i was just Aww. curious um if you could share a little bit about your story because i know you're like this shadow work queen and i would love to just hear about what that journey has looked like for you and why this work has become so important for you mm -hmm. thank you for asking that gosh it's been it's been a journey. Um, you know, I was, I was married once upon a time. I was actually listening to your story. It sounds like you were as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, after I had gone through this, the breakup of, we kind of eloped and we were really young and, and as it was disintegrating, I was inspired to go on my eat, pray, love, journey and this was around 2012 i want to say is when i when i went on this mission to Kauai to get my yoga certification i went totally straight straight edge like i cut off any alcohol weed and i just really wanted to dive deeper into myself and with my yoga training there i kind of got introduced to the archetypal goddess uh kali and she was like this dark the dark goddess, right? And um, a lot of times people are, are scared. Like, what is that? That's like some creepy demon, whatever. But I felt so resonant with her. I felt like there was a part of me that could really relate to feeling like, um, you know, I was, I was going through so much pain and uh, suffering with the heartbreak. It was so deep that I felt like I was this like dark goddess hovering around the people are like, whoa, like stay away from her. She's, she's like not in the most love and light kind of place. I was in like, <laughs> yeah. a, uh, you know, like fuck love kind of place. <laughs> yeah. Just like fuck love. Like I don't want to be around people that are uh, loving and sweet with each other because it just hurt. It, I hurt being around them. And I remember packing my backpack up and I was, working at the library at the time. And I uh, ripped out this magazine page that had these like really rain, really trippy psychedelic looking demons. They were these like colorful demons. And I didn't read the article, but it was just called feeding your demons. And I shoved it in my backpack. 
and I went to Hawaii. And at one point I was sitting there and I packed everything that I had in there. And I finally read that article. And it's this practice called um, Feeding Your Demons. It's, a, it's an 11th, it was written, it was created by an 11th century nun, Tibetan Buddhist wow. nun. And so I love that there was a, a feminine kind of teacher um, instilling this practice of connecting to these, quote, demon parts of ourselves. But these demon parts of ourselves are often just misunderstood energies. And so it was this really powerful moment of awakening to understanding these repressed parts of myself and how to work with this energy and that it's not actually a bad thing to feel rage, to feel uh, sadness and shame, but they're just misunderstood elements of ourselves. So that was over 10 years ago. And, um, and then I dove deeper into my yoga practice, integration of somatics and how that plays into the, how the body's expression weaves with these elements of our psyche of ourself. Um, and then as I dove deeper, I just unraveled more and more about the shadow. I took some shadow integration curriculum. Um, me and my past partner really dove really deep into the shadow together and have just continued to learn and grow from that experience. My understanding of the shadow is a lot more complex, obviously, over the years, but um, mm -hmm. that was kind of mm -hmm. the roots of it was just trying to make sense of my own pain and um, these elements of myself that I didn't want to be seen as is like, look at this dark demon of a woman, you know, this mm -hmm. bitch. Um, but it's she was just misunderstood pain and rage within me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, that's incredible. And I mean, I'm like not even surprised that you found this article at like the exact right time. I feel like everything always like the right thing happens at the right time. But that sounds like such an incredible article. And I love that, that, I don't know, perspective, I guess, of feeding your demons. And it's so funny because my story is pretty similar. Like, so I got divorced in 2015 and started kind of a self-discovery journey after that. And I definitely had those feelings of like, I had just blown my life up and I was dealing with so much heartbreak and darkness. And that's when I, um, found myself taking this class called Mama Gina's School of Womanly Arts. And um, she introduced me to this practice called swamping. And I loved what she said, like in her teachings, which was um, like the divine and the goddess, like includes every single face of the goddess. So it includes the light and the dark and the rage and the anger and the grief and the sorrow. And so we would do this like swamping practice where we would literally put on like black trash bags. So we would like literally just, we were like, we feel like trash. We're going to look like trash, like, and put on music. That's just like ragey, angry music and move your body and just like rage it out and cry it out and dance it out. And that was my first exposure to shadow work. And it was exactly what I needed as I was going through this like heartbreak of my divorce. So I feel like it's a similar I, journey to what you went on and similar time. Yeah. 
fuck? Yes. I love that. I love getting connected to my inner, just like a little gremlin self, right? Like here I am wearing my yes. little cute ears right now. And just like I know, I love finding it. playful ways of expression. I found out today, mm-hmm. my client told me that it's the the year of the cat. The Korean New Year is, uh, is the year oh, is of the it? kitty. And it's still my spirit animal. Yes. Yes. Same, so same. Like, I have yep. my little kitty ears. Yeah. And I feel like expressing Um, like, you know, from that, like I started having my like swamp outfits where I would like, just like play it up and put on like fishnets and different things to like express like how you're feeling, I think is a really great tool as well. Yeah, exactly. Because the shadow holds all of the repressed parts of ourselves, how we don't want to be seen. And um, there's also a subtle, this well, pretty clear distinction between shadow work and shadow integration, which I think is really important to denote. Because a lot of times I see, you know, witchy babes that are like shadow work, like, yes, like own my anger. And it's a really good, important first step for us to, to own these parts of us that have been shamed, repressed, pushed away into the subconscious and out of our awareness. We don't want to identify with them. And it's, it's a really empowering thing to say like, F that, like, I'm, I love this part of myself. I'm willing to, even if I don't love it, I'm willing to be with it. I'm willing to see it. I'm willing to own that it's a part of me. And, Mm -hmm. and then there's the integration aspect of it, which is understanding why it's there in the first place, understanding what wisdom it has to teach us and, and taking care of its needs in a healthy way. So it doesn't come out and destroy and subconsciously, you know, sabotage our lives, which is, happens a lot of times with people when they don't really understand their own shadow. Mm-hmm. A lot of times um, it's could be things that we don't remember either, like parts of ourselves that like the shadow came in at this certain point where maybe something traumatic happened, right? Or something like that. And it could mm-hmm. be something that we blocked out. Yeah, exactly. The shadow is not always, it's the shadow. Well, one, the shadow is not always a, a, a bad, dark thing. There's also the golden shadow, which we can touch on a little bit later. But you're right. Sometimes we repress like our, our inner child, our inner playfulness, our inner, um, uh, you know, goofy self or something like that. Because mm-hmm. the way that the shadow gets formulated is you're going about doing your thing as a child. Uh, and at some point, something was not okay by people whose love you were dependent on or needed. So Mm -hmm. say that you were singing really loudly in the kitchen one day and your dad was really annoyed because he had a hard day at work and it's like, shut up, stop with that. All of a sudden that that playful self-expressed vocal self suddenly gets stifled and we choke up and then Mm -hmm. we say like, that's not safe. It's not good. You know, um, my you know, dad's not going to like that. So I have to hide this aspect of myself and it's not, it doesn't look good. It's, and so I want to look good. I want to be loved. I want them to be happy. And so I need to repress these aspects of myself and hence the shadow identity starts to get formed. Hence the split starts to be formed of like, I'm a good girl and I don't want to be a bad girl. I'm a, you know, pure loving being. And I never want to be a a slut or expressed in these certain ways or like I'm Mm -hmm. love and light. I'm never angry and pissed off and jealous. But the truth Mm -hmm. is, is we're human and we have a multiplicity of expressions of self. 
And so it's so important to reconnect to those parts of yourself. So I, I exactly know what you mean when you say like, we need to revive them and be mm -hmm. with them and understand them right. at a deeper level. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any suggestions of like how we can start maybe uncovering this for ourselves? There's several entry points to the shadow. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, one, one big Sorry, one. Sorry, my cat is oh, just cracking me up there. Oh my god, it's so cute. <laughs> Welcome to the year of the kitty. <laughs> I know. She's like, I need to come say hi. <laughs> so cute. Maybe my friend's kitties will come visit too. Um, so so there's several en entry points to to the shadow. One that is pretty activating is with our triggers. Like what about other people irritates you or inspires you? So the irritation is maybe like jealousy or like, look at that person. That person thinks they're so da, da 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 There might be some part of their expression that's in our shadow. Like for a long time, women that were really soft and feminine and sensual would be very agitating to me. Very like... Uh, it would produce these feelings of jealousy or insecurity or kind of like bitchiness. And it was because that part of myself was not only dormant, it didn't feel like it was even possible to awaken because it had been mm -hmm. repressed so much because that part of me was like so deep in the shadows. And then I found outlets for it and I found ways to express it more and more. And now it like, when I see that in other women, I'm like, yes, like, let's get it together. Like, let's activate more of that energy out in the world. And it's, it's more, mm -hmm. um, more empowering to, to see it nowadays because it's just reaffirming. So one, one entry point is by noticing what kind of things irritate you and other people or activate you because there might be some part of yourself that's not fully self-expressed. Um, another point is how do you not want to be seen? How, what is your ego? Cause the shadow work is all about ego identity, the shadow version of the ego, the identity of self. So there's a way that I want to present myself, right? Like right now, I'm like in this vivacious hair and the makeup and this thing, I'm a damn <laughs> badass, voluptuous babe, you know, but there's a part of me that like the trash bag swamping, right? <laughs> that that yeah. is also a reality to, to earlier in the day or yesterday of like living in my sweater and being stinky and needing a shower from after whatever that might be, mm -hmm. like, Oh, I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be seen as gross or something like that. I don't want to be seen as, so it's like, how do you not want to be seen? That's an entry point mm -hmm. to a potential shadow. And especially if you get extra defensive around it, like right now it's not a big shadow. Cause I'm kind of like, yeah, sometimes I'm like a little, like, you know, gremlin-y. Um, so there's an integration there if I can talk about it with ease, but if I'm getting like, no, that's not who I am or very defensive around it. Um, like I'm not a bitch. I'm never a bitch. I'm, you know, if somebody calls me a bitch, there might be some point that I haven't understood that part of myself deeper. And then mm -hmm. the third entry point that I see is through sensation. If you're feeling something in your body that is really tight or sometimes I will, um, 
sit in meditation, like a movement meditation, and I'll get connected to what I desire, my vision, my focus. Sometimes as I think about trying to manifest something or actualizing something into my reality. So, you know, with manifestation work, you want to feel as if it's already accomplished, that kind of, or like present yourself in that scenario as if it's already happening. And as I do Mm -hmm. that, something will rise in my body that says, nope, like that's not okay. That's not welcome. That's a threat. And it'll be a sensation that's happening in my body. That's also another point of entry of exploration of like, whew, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling that? What part of me doesn't feel safe with this possibility? And shadow integration is also parts work. Um, The shadow isn't just one thing. It's actually a lot of different parts of self and they get hidden in different contexts. So for example, like maybe around my family, I might hide my wild sacred slut self because I'm trying to be all proper, you know, teaching kids yoga. I'm not going to unleash something like about psychedelic medicines. (laughs) Um, whereas like maybe in like the more like wild hippie community talking about being like a badass boss babe that wants to make really good money and thrive in luxury that might feel scary to my hippie community. That's like money's not everything. And we should just like connect with the earth. And that's like wasteful for you to want a big house Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's the shadow is context dependent and there's different parts of ourselves. And sometimes those parts live physically. We can feel them in our body where they get held, where they get contracted, where they get Mm -hmm. sort of knotted up. Yeah. I was just curious. I've never thought about it in that way of like, it's context specific so obviously like we we need to act appropriately according to the context but do you think it's bad to do that like are we deepening these shadows or is it just being aware of it or what do you think yeah that's a really good question because i do notice how sometimes when something is swinging in one pole we're almost like rebelling in the opposite direction just to like free Mm -hmm. ourselves from it Um, and I think that that can be potentially if done responsibly can be a healthy sort of like exposure therapy where you're facing your biggest fear of being seen in a particular way. I think it's important to do it in a safe context, but I think sometimes people go too far and then they create a persona that's like the opposite in rebellion against it. That's almost like too much around it. Like for example, Mm -hmm. um, stay like a woman who has been really uh, very in her feminine and been raised in the context of uh, men provide women surrender and they're just like housewives and soft and feminine and say she was in an abusive kind of situation and she rebelled and now became like super hyper independent boss babe bitch where she's like I don't need a man men don't you know that kind of um, men suck and sort of like hyper in the opposite direction and like almost proving herself that she doesn't need it's like this like hyper flexing fe- uh, feminism kind of expression um castrating men fuck the patriarchy burn the patriarchy and um there's there's a healing component to that liberation and rebellion to free herself but ultimately if she gets stuck there it can become um imbalanced 
and dysfunctional mm-hmm. in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And so integration mm-hmm. is really finding a healthy balance of the two where she's, she understands why she did that from a place of pain and, and retaliation and rebellion and freedom ultimately to break the shackles. But ultimately it's bringing it back into a healthier version. But I think what mm-hmm. you were asking specifically was like, is it, is it okay to hide or bring some part of yourself to a certain context? So like, I think it depends. Right. Like for example, if I was teaching kids yoga and I'm hiding the part of me that's like exploring psychedelics, that's not a part of me that I need to bring out into the shadow, out of the shadows in that. That's actually responsible for me to keep that knowledge to myself until those beings are old enough to be able to understand the context in a responsible way. So mm-hmm. me bringing that out isn't actually a unhealthy thing. It's just, do I feel shame about it? Do I feel like I'm this like bad secret, like trippy person? <laughs> and I think that's where it needs to be integrated within myself, not necessarily exposed to the parents if they're, if it's, you know, going to threaten my job or something like that. So mm-hmm. no, I don't think the shadow needs to be just like put into the open in front of everybody. Um, I think it just, it's more of integrating it within yourself so that you have a healthy relationship with it and know which context it's appropriate and safe in to be expressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes that like makes so our much inner sense. kinky playful self, yeah. And sometimes our inner kinky playful self wants to test the edges in certain areas. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like today I posted something, uh, like a tweet that was, um, new fun fantasy, like those remote control vibrators, but like in church, you know, <laughs> like secret, <laughs> secret vibrator in church, <laughs> you know, where it's like, you're playing with your own boundaries around it, but you're not necessarily, you know, hurting anybody in the process with bringing that mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, I mean, as we know, like kinky is about pushing that naughty factor for you, like what feels naughty to you. So with, um, with the kinky shadow, like, can you dive into that a little bit for us? <laughs> Ooh, okay. I'm, I know that you studied with Jaya and the erotic blueprint and I yeah. love, I'm totally a shapeshifter, but, um, mm, I love yes. all of them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I feel like they actually kind of build on top of each other in terms of like turning up the volume. Um, and with the kinky one, that's like when the volume is, is really, you're, you're pushing the edges of your comfort zone. You're pushing the edges of your nervous system. And I think it's so important to do it within like your field of your field of tolerance, because mm-hmm. if you go over into the red light, you know, and you say no, and it goes beyond no, that's trauma. But we, when we stay in that yellow light and it's more of like exploring the edges, pushing the edges, we're feeling sensations, things are coming up. That's where the exposure therapy around some of the things that scare us is, but that's where we also expand our capacity and who we are as, as humans and what we're capable of. So in the, in the context of the shadow, um, there is something about like the shadows kind of kinky, the shadow parts of ourselves. I see them as kinky 
parts of us that like get off on on things that our persona our ego persona doesn't understand like why are you trying to um you know be rejected here because some part of the shadow is like yes prove me right that i'm not good enough it's mm, this weird yes. twisted like <laughs> reinforcement of you know and so or like yes reject me here so i could face the pain that i've so desperately wanted to face and i keep putting myself in these patterns and contexts so i can actually look at this pain but if we do it unconsciously versus consciously we can end up re-traumatizing and reinforcing certain belief systems about ourselves but if we do it intentionally and consciously and play with those edges just within our nervous system's capacity we can face our fears we can face our discomfort and we could integrate in a healthy way that actually expands our identity as somebody who isn't afraid of that rather than somebody who's always avoiding that particular thing yeah so i mean there's so much to say within the context of uh kink world there's just i'm curious what you want to know because there's just <laughs> there's <laughs> There's so much. I love I love the world of kink. I like just within the last maybe 3-4 years, I've really started exploring it more and more for myself and I am such a like kinky person because it is so psychological and you're playing mm-hmm. these psychological edges within yourself and it's yeah. just I love it. Yeah. Being able to play with the shadow, like it makes it this playful thing. So I love that perspective of like bringing that kink into it. Um, and for me, I'm like very much psychological kinky. Like I love that world and playing within that. I'm not so much sensation. Like I don't really like to be spanked very hard or anything. Like I was just having, I was having this play experience recently where they were lighting my butt on fire, like literally like putting a flame on it and then spanking it out. But after like I two, that. I was like, okay, two times, that's all I can do. Like, I'm not a pain person. So, um, but yeah, the psychological and being able to really play with like the shame or the thing that you were trying to push down, I could see how that could be really healing and playful. And I've never really looked at it from that perspective either. Yeah, I'm not like super in the kink. Yeah, I'm not super like educated in the kink world. Actually, that's like one of the blueprints that I haven't dived as much into. I'm kind of like I live in like the energetic, sensual world mostly. So, yeah, I mean, is there anything else that's kind of coming up for you around the kinky shadow? Because I know you said there's a lot that you can dive into. Yeah, I had a experience recently that was like <laughs> testing my own kinky edges and shadow. Actually, I um, I uh, was doing a facilitation for a workshop at a at a men's retreat. So it was like forty um, high powered businessmen, and I decided I'm going to teach about shadow in the context of and how it trans how BDSM communicates the shadow aspects of ourselves while I was dressed like Catwoman in this like latex <laughs> onesie. And I had so much fun. 
um, getting out on stage and it was actually not even stage. I was in a circle of men. I was like, can you set up everybody in a circle? I did. I meant horseshoe, but it ended up being a circle. So I'm literally this cat woman in the middle of all of these men. And it was, it was an edge for me actually significantly for like testing my own identity as a facilitator, as a leader, as a woman, because I was very much bringing the dark feminine into the space. And Mm -hmm. it would have been good to dive deeper into that. But I, I started to bring in this concept around being a good leader, being a good dom and being a good masculine lead in the container and how the more that we are educated on some of this, this language around the kink world, the better that we actually are as leaders as facilitators men that want to be in their masculine space that want to be in leadership they're actually better leads because they're educated in the in the world of what it means to be a safe dom and there's a lot of fake uh, fake doms out there i've met one on new year's this last year that was like yeah i can dom like it was like uh, so just like bro get away (laughs) um so it was it's, it's so important for men and women, for all people to be educated on this stuff so that one, you could recognize a fake when they're trying to lead you into something that's really not safe for you mm-hmm. and that you can understand what that looks like to create a safe context of domination and leadership that you actually genuinely want to surrender into. And so part of becoming a good dom is doing shadow integration because there's things that arise in the space that if you don't understand your own shadow and you don't understand how another person's shadow might be at play, there's potential for abuse and trauma and, and also manipulation and kind of like selfish, selfish pursuits of things beyond somebody's boundaries or edges. Mm -hmm. And so or, or maybe like not from like the most healthy integrated space coming through. But if somebody is educated on their own shadow and they're aware of how it's going to play out in the context, they could actually perform as like a form of exposure therapy, the part of themselves that they're really ashamed of or afraid of bringing forth or bringing into the light. So for example, say that you know, naturally a woman's persona is being a bad bitch who has her shit together and like has control over her life. Her shadow might be to be submissive and to be like, um, degraded to be sort of, um, um, at the whim of a man, like that can be really hot in the, in, in the right hands of somebody that knows how to wield that power wisely and hold her and lead her and dominate her. Um, but if she's putting herself in that level of vulnerability and surrendering into that space, while that person is sort of doesn't know her boundaries, they don't have safe word. There's not clear understanding of consent. Um, and maybe pushes beyond something it could be re- it could be traumatizing for that part of herself or if there's shame around it or no aftercare around it it can really create more contraction and repression as opposed to more openness and 
a feeling of, wow, I just went through something. I just experienced the part of myself I felt so much shame about, um, but I liked it. Like, what is this? Let me integrate this part of myself and create safe outlets mm-hmm. for it. It can be, it can be really beautiful and healing. Yeah. I think that's um, such a good point. And I think like shadow work is so important. Honestly, like for the kink world, for sure, if that is something that you want to step into and explore. But I think honestly, with any aspect of sexuality, like no matter what your erotic blueprint is, you know, like any of those like erotic worlds that you want to play within, um, if you don't have that healing work done or the talk about your limits and boundaries and and how you feel how you can create the safe container with whoever your your lover is you know um then you can create more shadow and more trauma so i do think it's just it goes hand in hand um with your sexuality and your intimacy is like your shadow work totally i mean a huge component if um sexuality as a whole is oftentimes pushed into people's shadows i was i wrote a post today about like religious trauma um or i was just kind of sharing it in my stories and how many of us grew up within a society that had um sex is sin sex is bad mm-hmm. sex is don't don't show it and even if you didn't have a religious household sex in general in our in our culture is like repressed, pushed away, shame, shunned. Um, people didn't, you know, a lot of parents didn't know how to talk to, to their kids at a, at a young age when they're maybe like humping something or, you know, find something. And, yeah, and, and then me. it's like, don't do that. That's bad. Yeah. Same, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And then it's like, oh my gosh, this is a bad thing. I'm, I'm doing something bad, but it feels good. And I don't understand why is this something I should like, like I'm just having no context of understanding. And so a lot of times our sexuality just as a whole gets repressed into our shadow. But then if we repress it without having an understanding it in a healthy way, it comes out in sometimes unhealthy ways that express themselves. Or this is where a lot of times people get porn addictions or, you know, certain ways of getting those needs met that are not necessarily in the healthiest ways because that need needs to be met, but there's no understanding of, of it in a, in a beautiful way. So it's sort of like, Oh, I'm bad for having this. And which kind of creates some kinks, right? Oh, I'm being naughty for doing this. And yeah, (laughs) it can be kind of fun. And I feel like sometimes religious people are the most kinky because they're so repressed in a lot of ways that like, yeah. So like just cleavage is like, you know, extra (laughs) activating. Yep. (laughs) So I think that can be played with if you're willing to explore, explore it in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, um, I know that you were exploring play parties and things like that. And that's something that I've recently started to like dip my toes into um, mm-hmm. and I find those, those environments really interesting because they're kind of like a playground for consent and safe exploration, as long as the facilitation and the people within that container are responsible. And there's a tight container where any cross of boundary is 
non-negotiable. You're out, right? Um, like red light, anything like that. Um, but I think that that's really that's really great place to create scenarios and scenes for oneself to explore the shadow, to explore and move through shame and, mm-hmm. um, and play with the different things that maybe you wouldn't in a normal context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was hosting play parties for six years. Um, and I was hosting one that was for men and women, and I was hosting one that was for women only. Um, so very different spaces, but, um, you know, we always talked about consent and I honestly, I've said this before, but like play parties, the ones that I choose to go to, because I always vet them and I only go to a very specific type of play party. I feel safer there than honestly, like any sort of social like bar scene or anything like that. Like, because people understand what consent is and it's like, you can be walking around naked and you still feel completely safe. No one is going to violate your boundaries. So that's very liberating and that can be very healing as well. And like you said, creating these scenarios within that safe container, I think could be very healing as far as shadow work as well. Yeah, absolutely. I felt the same way going into that experience. I I ended up going to one by myself, like, um, shortly, not shortly, like a couple months after my breakup. And I was so contracted at that time that even a hug from a friend was like too much to receive. And I go from that to like going to a play party. (laughs) um, But it was actually, you know, I set the intention for myself of like, I don't have to do anything with anyone if I'm just a voyeur there. And like my, my biggest fantasy was like, I just want to feed people grapes. Like while they're having their, their sexy moment, I want to like walk around Mm -hmm. and like give people grapes. Um, um, and it was so nice to say, like, I can turn up the volume within my genuine yes and listening to my genuine yes. And if it's not a fuck Mm -hmm. yes, I don't have to do anything. I don't even have to get undressed. Mm -hmm. I don't even have to, you know, and it was such a healing experience for me. Actually, I ended up going there and like, I totally cried because it was like a vision that me and my ex had, um, wanted to go together for so long. And here I was like watching, we were like doing this uh, scene with, there was like one guy and we had five girls and we were like all massaging different parts of him. And I was kind of like, like, I'll massage your feet, I guess over here. <laughs> uh-huh. So like not ready to like dive deep into anything, but like, you know, like two women were like kissing him and another was like, stu- like, it was just like this whole hedonistic moment. And I got so emotional because I really wanted to share that with my, I wanted to give that to my, my ex-partner, that experience. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but it was like, it was so beautiful to have that container where vulnerability was safe and welcome. Emotion was safe and welcome. Sensuality was safe and welcome. And it's like, I found safe space with the other women that just like held me and I could explore more of like the other erotic blueprints of energetic and sensual touch. We like played with ice and things like that, where I started to thaw out. Like I started to thaw out, not just the ice cube. My nervous system started to feel safer to just be with, Mm -hmm. with 
touch and with intimacy and sweetness, even if I wasn't, you know, there's like somebody like going to town right next to me and like multiple couples and like moaning and things like that. And I'm just like, I'm safe to be in this context and my nervous system is relaxed in this context. This is, this is creating a new identity freedom for me to be able to be here as an autonomous, sovereign, single woman that's empowered in her sexuality and owning her sexuality, but also exploring it within my authentic. Yes. And it was Mm -hmm. a healing, healing experience to go through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Um, I do think it's like the vulnerability that you can experience at a play party. Um, it's like the type of conversations I've had there, like people are like, you talk about that at a sex party. Like, I feel like I've talked about shadow work and like religion and just like everything, like crazy things that, but it's because you're in this, you're in this container where you can talk about anything, honestly. And so I do think like, I I don't know, like sex is like this starting point. Whereas like from there, like everything else is on the table kind of, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that kind of relates back into our own relationships and our own love lives and our own intimacy of like, if it's good in the bedroom, that's going to bleed out into like everything else within your relationship. Yeah, totally. It's, it's both, right? If you, well, not necessarily both. Cause I've definitely had coaching sessions with some people that have a solid relationship, but they're contracted sexually or they have a really passionate mm-hmm. love life, but then they like get in a bunch of different fights of other mm, interesting practical yeah. type of things. And so I have noticed sometimes those things can be fragmented, but when they are integrated and when you work on one, it can deepen into the other. And when you work on the other, it can deepen mm-hmm. into the other. And so I think you're right in the sense that when people do have really nourishing, healthy sexuality, it deepens intimacy. It like produces oxytocin. You have the bonding hormone, like the bonding chemicals with each other. It, it does. I think you're right. It does really ripple out into mm-hmm. other areas of our lives as well. Yeah. Deepening and obviously, Yeah. And I think, you know, this play party world can be amazing, but it's not an access point for everyone. So like, you know, how can you create that level of safety within whatever environment that you're in with your partner so that you can also open up and have these vulnerable experiences and conversation, I think is the important like point of that. Exactly. Yeah. Creating our own intimate play party with ourselves first, you know, cause mm-hmm. there's a lot of taboo things that we don't, some people don't even allow self-exploration with. So first and foremost is like being a safe space for yourself and these parts of you that have been rejected or feel shame and, and pushing your own edges in a kinky way of like maybe playing with a butt plug or like maybe yes. playing with something that's just like a little edgy for you and pushing your own, you know, I, I was exploring this thing about like, um, not wearing a bra and I was at the coffee shop and it was like, kind of like, I totally had like THO, and it was an edge for me, even though nobody was looking and nobody cared. I was yeah. like, I'm going to drink 
I'm going to drink some tea here and just like notice that I have like my nipples like poking through, but like <laughs> it was like my own kinky little playful secret, you know? Yep. Um, and so this is how we put pleasure first. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Having fun with yourself, playing with your own little kinky edges, and then and then sharing that with another person and creating that safe container of exploration with another. And it doesn't and it can it can even be with friendships where you're not necessarily going into sexual territory, um, but to to even just like sweetness and intimacy and sharing our heart and maybe maybe touch, maybe just like cuddling and, and things like that, that can be an edge. So it's like pacing ourselves in our nervous system and being courageous, stepping into territory that feels a little bit scary, but like you're going to survive. It's not so scary that if it fails, you're going to feel shame and collapse completely. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and I love intimacy so much and creating that safe space with a partner and both people doing their work to create that place of freedom for exploration is so healing and so liberating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah, so we just got to make friends with our shadows. I love it. Exactly. So exactly. on that note, um, can you share how we can find you, your social media, website, all of that yeah, so um, I'm currently working on my website, and it'll be it's called Permission, like P P U R R R, like per permission, <laughs> permission with three R's, um, and that's kind of like the branding that I'm leaning into. I'm really into like the cat thing, and I was doing a Pussy Shadows Women's Group on like teaching shadow work to women, um, mm -hmm. and sacred shadows, like co-ed stuff. But currently, uh, we'll see what I'm going to be brewing up by the time this gets released. But the best, the best place to find me is on V for Veneta on Instagram. Um, so V F O R and then Veneta is V E N E T A. So perfect. And I'll have that link in the show the best notes too. Can... Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It was such a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. I really enjoyed chatting with you and answering your questions and potentially crossing paths at a play party sometime in the near future. Actually, when I first yes. met you or when I first saw you, you were tied up in Shibari at that yes. fun. Um... <laughs> I remember oh that. Which is, that's a that's a goal for me this year is, is, Oh my God, that was on my that. list for so long as to like be actually suspended. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about it, <laughs> but I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to be friends with her. I love it. I love that. <laughs> Just diving into it. <laughs> yes. All right, babe. Thank you so much. Sacred. grateful to be able to share so openly about all things sex and relationships. So if you loved this episode, share it with your friends, subscribe, and I would love if you could leave me a review in the iTunes store. And as a free gift, I'll share with you a guided sacred womb meditation 
simply email a screenshot of your review over to stephanie at coachingbystephanie.com and I'll send you over this beautiful meditation. Thank you.